Broadcasting from Baldwin, New York. Welcome to the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. Bringing you everything Baldwin Athletics, including news, game breakdowns, analysis, interviews, and much, much more. Prepare for the laughs, hot takes, hard questions, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts. Ready to dive into everything Bruins sports. Yao Bonsu and Tyler Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 25th episode of the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. Alongside Tyler Brown, my name is Yao Bonsu, and all I have to say is what a week for Baldwin Bruins Athletics. We kick things off with the Lady Bruins basketball team who defeated Syosset 60-52 to capture their 7th straight Nassau AA County Championship. They were led by Dana Elcock who notched 25 points and 3 assists. As for the boys, they also took home the Nassau AA County Championship by taking down the first-seeded Uniondale 61-60. Jada McKenzie led the game in the best performance he has had this season. He had 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. But without further ado, let's dive into everything that happened in both games. Tyler will kick it off with not only an interview with Dana Elcock on the game, but his game breakdown. For the first one of the game breakdowns out of the two we're going to do this week, I will be talking about girls' county championship game. The girls played the number one seed, Syosset, and out the gate, you could tell that Syosset's press was clearly being a problem for these girls. I believe that they got around two or three backcourt violations just because of Syosset's press. They were passing the ball around, and it was working and getting through a couple times, but the press was absolutely killing them. The game started off slow for both teams with a lot of turnovers, traveling violations, and missed layups, but Syosset was still up by two points going into the second quarter. The main problem that I saw and that the girls faced in the first half was trying to score because this girls team is a very aggressive drive to the basket type of team and the height advantage that Syosset had was clearly apparent and it showed to be a big advantage for Syosset. They got a lot of blocks. There was a lot of blocks this game. The end of the second quarter, they turned it up with Paris Nosworthy hitting a three right after Dana Elcock knocked down a three. The main problem was definitely that the wall that was set in the paint. There was a lot of big girls out there, and they did not allow easy layups. Everything was getting blocked. By halftime, it was 23-22, us down, Syosset had the lead. And throughout the, great, throughout the game, the girls made a lot of mistakes. And you saw, if you were watching that, clearly Syosset—no, I apologize. Clearly, the girls were outworking Syosset. Syosset wanted the game, but the girls definitely wanted it more. You could see everything that was happening. You could see the hustles, diving on the floor, the defensive effort, rebounds. They were relentless, and they were like dogs in a cage. They definitely wanted to play, and they played with heart. The game was close in the fourth quarter, but... They definitely broke away. Dana was pulling threes. The whole team was just on fire. Dana came up big with 14 points in the fourth quarter. I personally was not there because when we went in the locker room for the boys game, they would not let us out. But from what I heard, Dana was on fire, and she was just knocking down three after three. And that is the game breakdown for the Girls' County Championship game. Congratulations to the girls. Thank you, Tyler, for that. But now we have one of the champions in the building. It is Dana Elcock. 
I am here with Nassau County champion and my game MVP, Dana Elcock. Dana, congratulations on winning the county championship. I mean, this wasn't the first time. You guys have done it for a long time. Catapano has seven of them, which I'm going to get into later. But what were the emotions like when everybody got in that locker room? Because I wasn't watching. I wasn't there myself. But I saw a couple of videos. And even on the court, you guys were all huddled up in the middle, falling on top of each other. So what was it really like when you guys got in the locker room and had all that space and time to really talk about it? Well, it was very emotional because we put in a lot of work for this. We put in a lot of time. And when we got in the locker room, it was just all energy. Like, everybody was excited. Like, we did this as a team, as a family. So, yeah. Year after year, since that legendary, I believe, 2017, 2018 season? Yeah. With Donetta, Jenna, all those people. Every single year, there's just been more and more people doubting you guys and saying that you can't do it. Your team's getting worse and worse. You got, you're losing players, losing star players. So what is it really like to go out there and show everybody that you guys are still a top dog team, you guys play with heart, play with effort, and that you're still on top? Well, we did lose a lot of talent, that's true, but we put in a lot of work, like I said. Like, we make every second count that we're practicing. We do all the extra work that we need to do. We put in work seven days a week, even if we're not practicing with our team. We put in extra work outside of like practice. What was Catapano's message to you guys in the locker room? Basically, Cat said that we just need to come out with energy, keep consistent the whole game, and that it's pretty much deeper than basketball. So it's not just a game. Like everybody was counting on us. A lot of people doubted us. So we just like did our job and did what we needed to do. Like I said earlier, you were the game's MVP for a lot of people, not just myself. There was no real, you know, handed out a trophy for MVP award, but a lot of people are calling you, you know, Dana the Goat, national nickname, and a lot of things like that. So what made you go out there and leave it all on the court? So before the game, we had a lot of people coming up to us saying um, good luck, a lot of like fans following us the whole way. Like the crowd was huge. Like every since playoffs, the crowd has been huge. The support just runs deep. So we just felt like we had to do it for everybody that came out for us, everybody that believed in us. How did it feel when you were playing during that game and eventually everything just started falling for you? Even from the NBA three-point line, you were just draining everything. How did it feel? It felt great. Like, I really felt like I was doing something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt like I was contributing as I should. Like, Cat puts a lot of pressure on me because I'm a senior, but that's good because it means, like, he cares. So, like, mm. I have a, a role to play, and I played my role good. You guys ended the game as champions, but during the game there were a lot of struggles and you guys were not always up like the natural Bruins talent that we have. You guys are normally naturally, if it's like a regular league game or even the earlier playoff games, you guys are up by like a 20-point margin. But this game was not like that. It was a very close game, tight game from the beginning to almost pretty much the end. What were some of the main problems that you guys faced in this game? Some of the problems we faced was um, rebounding and just getting into the, to the paint strong because our shots were getting blocked, but we had to finish strong, and Roxy did a good job at doing that. Paris did a good job at um, kicking it out to me on the three, getting her assist there, and Dally also did a good job finishing in there. Now that we're talking about the problems of the game, do you think that, how did you guys feel about that press at the beginning of the game? Because when I was watching the press, the press was just eating you guys alive. You got a couple backcourt violations. Uh, there was also a lot of turnovers off that press, a lot of easy baskets for the other teams. So how did you guys react to that press, and what were the first thoughts on the press? 
I honestly think it was just that we were in our heads a lot. It was like overwhelming because like we were actually there doing this ourselves mm-hmm. on that in the big court, like everybody watching and everything. Because we knew the team better than they knew themselves, so we knew that press was coming. I honestly just think we were in our heads. So what did you guys do to adjust to that to that press? Because they didn't stop playing it. So in our timeouts, we basically just uh, told them. When I wasn't in, we basically told the starters to just like keep their heads up, go in strong, don't be nervous, just go right by them because we knew what they were gonna do, we knew what they were coming out in. So how many how many county championships do you have right now? Three. You have three, three? yeah. And for Catapano, this is the seventh straight seventh, one, yeah. seven P. What did this win mean to you, your teammates, and also the Catapano? It was a whole different feeling. Like it meant a lot to us. It meant a lot to Cat, to the team, because we put in a whole lot of time with this. Like we've all been playing since third grade, since the PAL days, and we went in strong as a family and finished strong as a family. So. I mean, I understand that you were talking about the support from the Bruins family and the Baldwin community from before the game, because we've all been raving about it, talking about it, posting on social medias. The parents have been approaching you guys, all that type of stuff. But how has the support been since you guys won that game? Since that night at Applebee's, last night, everybody was going crazy, texting you, blowing up your phone, calling you. How has that support been? Yeah, my phone has been blowing up since the game. Before the game was even over, my phone was blown up. Like, I checked my phone, it was a whole bunch of messages. Messages. I just know my teammates had a whole bunch of messages. It's just that the support runs deep, and we just love to see the community coming out for us. This game was still a close game at the beginning of the fourth quarter, so what was the game plan going into that fourth quarter? Basically to just keep doing what we're doing, don't let down, just keep pushing, basically. What does this 25-point performance mean for you? Because this is probably the biggest stage that yeah. there is for a high school player? I mean, I'm shook. Like, I worked for my 25 points. <laughs> so, yeah, and I can't just say, like, I worked for it. My teammates mm-hmm. worked for it. They helped me get it. So, yeah. Well, Jaden McKenzie did put up 24 <laughs> points right alongside you in the game after. Do you have anything to say about that? Jaden, you're a GOAT. <laughs> you're a GOAT. Best point guard on Long Island, period. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, Jane McKenzie. He's also to the left of me. <laughs> but how did it feel playing in front of that huge crowd at the biggest stage, Coliseum, the Long Island Nets Stadium, pretty much? How did it feel to really play at an official, official court with everybody watching? It was overwhelming at first, but I just knew I had my support in the back of me, just like cheering for me and everything. So it made it much better. I wasn't, I was nervous, but not as nervous when I saw everybody popping out for us. Was there anything in one of Catapano's speeches, maybe during halftime or during a timeout, that was like, get Dana the ball or get this person the ball or Dana, you're you're already hot, so keep performing. Or what was it like? Like, was the game plan any way tied to you? Yeah, um, towards the end of the game, fourth quarter. Um, they were fouling, so basically Kat said either get the ball in my hands or Nelly's hands because we're pretty good free throw shooters. So, yeah, he just wanted to get the ball to us so they would foul and we could make our free throws. I wasn't allowed to watch the fourth quarter because of the security that was at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys went into the locker room a little bit before the game ended. I think it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And once we got in there, I couldn't leave. And I was doing a game breakdown for this game. So I couldn't watch the fourth quarter, and that was really when you guys pulled away. So can you talk about that fourth quarter and just explain to me what happened? Because I've only heard about it. 
Um, fourth quarter, I feel like the other team was like letting down a little bit. So that only, yeah, like their um, number 12, their point guard, she was like in foul trouble, so she wasn't really in the game. So we knew we had to go like even more from that point. Like their best players out, we gotta go. So, Dana, how did it feel to go out there, 14 points, fourth quarter alone? Going crazy, how did that feel? feels great. Like, I feel like I'm going to remember this moment forever. All right, thank you, Dana, for joining us in this short notice little interview between you and Jane McKenzie. Uh, I hope you go out there, destroy Northport, <laughs> bring home the Long Island Championship. Go to States. Go to States, bring that home too, might as well. Yeah. Feds. Bring that home too. Might as well bring that home too. Take care, Dana. Thank you. Thank you, Dana, for joining the show, and congratulations on another Nassau County Championship. But now, from the Lady Bruins to our men, I break down Baldwin versus Uniondale and interview Kamani Jones and Jaden McKenzie. Number two, Baldwin. Number one, Uniondale. And watch a game it was. This is basically Long Island's Duke versus North Carolina. 14 of the past 18 Section 8 AA champions have been either Baldwin or Uniondale. This was their eighth championship meeting all time, with Baldwin leading the series 4-3. Baldwin had seven all-time titles, while Uniondale has 12 all-time titles, and Baldwin was seeking their first title since 2016, while Uniondale was going for the three-peat. And in their last postseason game, Uniondale took down Baldwin 58-46 in the 2018 Team version of the Nassau County AA Championship. And now, let's get into the game. In the first quarter, Jaden McKenzie started off the game fast by blowing past his matchup, number 10. I think you guys know who that is. Great defense early by Kamani Jones really led the team to calm down Uniondale, who was a very high-powered offense, mirroring Bolden, of course. And Bolden, led by Jaden McKenzie, was very aggressive in the first two minutes, continuing to drive, drive, drive into the paint. But Uniondale did put the clamps on Bolden in the first quarter, I can't lie. Bolden was also struggling shooting-wise, which, if you know me, if they're not shooting, they're not winning. But they proved me wrong, which you will hear later on. Bolden struggled shooting-wise. They relied on offensive rebounding. They were playing fast off defensive rebounds, and those are all things that helped them keep the game close. But as soon as that tip-off occurred, one thing I noticed was that number 44. Holy smokes. Number 44 was simply a mismatch for every player on the floor. But he was just a presence. There's no, he was just a presence. I wouldn't say he was bullying Isaiah Walker because Walker was definitely, definitely holding his own. But there's no doubt that when you see a player that size, there is, there has to be some things that go through your head. The first quarter ended 15 to 12 in favor of Uniondale. And in the second quarter, it was some of the same old. Neither team was relying on the outside shooting game. And quite frankly, the paint, is where the game took place the most. But in the second half, things really started to turn up. But for the second half at least, Lance Henry had a great dive to Jeff Doobie. Jaden McKenzie had a crossover and a layup with 20.8 seconds left to draw Baldwin within three. But Baldwin did end the half with no three-pointers, and it was a very low-scoring game, as expected from both teams. If there's anything to say about the first half is that a paint presence was simply the number one priority for both teams. Jane McKenzie ended the half with 10 points out of Bolden's 26, and Uniondale led 31 to 26. 
Now, moving over to the third quarter. Kamani Jones started off the half with the Bruins' first three-pointer of the game. Hard to believe. And then Jaden continued a stellar play, but Guinandale simply kept responding. But this is when, and when I tell you this is when, Things started to change. This is when things started to change. Trayvon Blackett, with 3 minutes and 55 seconds left in the third quarter, gets a steal and dunked it off the fast break. And that was followed up by Jaden McKenzie's steal and the layup. That, to me was the turning point for the Bruins. From there, everything started going up. They started shooting better, they started playing better, started playing better defense, and Jaden McKenzie, woo! His best game of the season for sure. There's no doubt in my mind that Jaden has to be one of the top point guards on Long Island, the way he was blowing past his matchup. And he told me pregame that it's simply a switch. He could be laughing, but he flips that switch on and it's all serious. And that's exactly what he did in this game. It was his best game of the season. And Jaden closed off the half with another quick layup. The third quarter ended 45-45 to 45 with one quarter remaining in this championship game. The quarter started off with back-to-back buckets. Lance Henry hit a huge three with six minutes left, making it 52-47 to 47 for Baldwin. Jaden McKenzie, with his stellar defensive effort, had another huge stealing layup, making it 56-51. to 51. Kamani Jones make, made huge three-pointers with two minutes and 33 seconds left, making it 59-58. to 58. Obviously, I'm missing some possessions there, but this was simply the key moments for the Bruins. Isaiah Walker took another charge after Kamani Jones' huge three-pointer. Trayvon Blackett notched an and-one with one minute and 51 seconds remaining. Baldwin led 61-58 to 58 at this point. And this is when the refs were a little rocky. A little rocky. Now, I understand Unindale wants to have a quick foul, but the refs deliberated a lot. As Jaden had the ball and Isaiah was crossing half court, both players were fouled at the same time. So while the crowd was saying Jaden got fouled, the refs were saying Isaiah got fouled before. But for all the fans out there who were arguing that call, I can say after watching the replay back, Isaiah Walker was indeed fouled before Jaden McKenzie. So it was right to send Walker to the line. I know Coach Burton was getting heated. Jaden was trying to have somebody hold Coach Burton back, but nobody was having any of it. Maybe to some people, Jaden should have shot the free throws, but the refs made the right call. But then... The buzzer sounded, giving Baldwin another championship. But the ref stopped it. The ref stopped the game. Somehow, someway, the referee saw 0.3 seconds remaining on the clock. I don't know if Uniondale called a timeout. I don't know if it was a foul call. But it was most likely a Uniondale timeout with 0.3 seconds remaining. I don't know how the ref saw it. I don't know how the ref calculated 0.3 seconds. But from there, Uniondale went for the inbound tip. It failed. Baldwin won the game. And they captured their first Section 8 Nassau County AA championship since 2016. And let me tell you something. It's, it's beyond crazy to see your town win a championship but when the leaders on the team when the best players on the team are the people that you grew up with then that is something that hits differently Jaden McKenzie literally put the team on his back 
I'm not saying he carried the team the whole game, but as a leader, he didn't scream, he didn't shout, he didn't get upset when somebody didn't catch his passes. He simply looked his defender in the eye and he went crazy. He went crazy. 23 points, five, re- excuse me, 22 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Watching this game, Jaden McKenzie simply had the best game he has ever had in a Bruins jersey. Every crossover, every layup, it pretty much went his way 90% of the time, and he was fearless. I know the number one story going into the game is are the Bruins going to be able to contain Jomani Wright, Uniondale guard, who was Long Island top 100 player named by Newsday, but we had two top Long Island players of our own, and Jaden McKenzie wasn't even one of them. Jaden McKenzie came, he saw, he conquered. The whole Bruins squad came through. Kamani Jones, he kept shooting. That's all you can say to a shooter is keep shooting. He kept shooting, he did his job. Lance Henry, he made some mistakes in the fourth quarter, but he came back at it. He had nice passes, he had nice buckets, and look, I'm not going to hold you. It wasn't a perfect game by the Bruins. Some will say Uniondale lost that game more than Bolden won the game. But I'm telling you right now, you will never see Bolden play a better game. But you're going to have to for the next game. The Bruins will take on Brentwood now in the Long Island Championship on Saturday. Brentwood previously took down Baldwin in their last matchup by a hefty margin. But I can tell you right now, the Bruins are a different team. Newsday, Long Island Herald, LongIslandBasketball.com, they're finally giving Bolden the respect they deserve. As of now, the Long Island rankings go like this. Number one, Luhai, the coaches poll at least. Number one, Luhai. Number two, Baldwin. Number three, Brentwood. It's time. It's time. To the boys that are listening right now, you guys won the Nassau County Championship. Congratulations, but it's time to go back in the gym. You have a bigger challenge ahead of you. Number three, Brentwood who you guys lost to earlier in the season. This game was a game of strength, and big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments. And I'll simply story of the game. Jaden McKenzie, once again, had a fantastic game. Kamani Jones had some shooting struggles, but came through in the fourth quarter. The Bruins relied on the paint game. Isaiah Walker had himself a stellar game once again. Great defensive efforts. They clamped up Uniondale's four best players and scores. And Coach Burton, can't say enough about him. What a job. What a job, boys. And now, we move to our interview with Jaden McKenzie and Kamani Jones from Boys Varsity Basketball. We get their reactions on the game, what they're feeling towards the Long Island Championship, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh off their 61-60 win in the Nassau County AA Championship, we have two representatives from Boys Varsity Basketball. We have Kamani Jones and Jaden McKenzie. How you guys doing today? Good. Good. First question off the bat, how did it feel to win the first championship of your high school career? Felt good. Um, sophomore year, we lost to Unidale, so it was good to get it back from them. Thanks, was a good feeling. First time, couldn't go out without getting a jacket, you know what I mean? And for most of the game, it was close, as very expected. What were some of the key moments in the game that made you guys realize that you have to turn it up a notch? I'm Trayvon Dunks. That yeah, was Trayvon that was, Dunk, that was it. Yeah, that I was feel like it. Trayvon got that steal in a dunk, it turned itself for sure. Do you think that was the turning point in the game for you guys? Is that from there everything just started going up? Yeah, third quarter is always our, our best quarter. We always start playing the best then. 
All season long, I've been an advocate of saying that you guys live and die by the three. However, you guys kept the game close with your first three coming at the beginning of the second half with a three by Kamani Jones. How did you guys adjust from the mantra that you guys rely on shooting? Uh, Udendale did a good job scouting us. And if I drove, they denied him. The, they denied Kamani and Lance the ball. So I would just the paint was wide open. Yeah, I feel like he he did a good job reading, like uh, he did a good job reading like how the defense was playing us. So, like he would drive right, and if I'm on the right wing, he would see that um, this man is not even in help. So he would just take it to the basket the whole time, drop dimes in the paint. So also for you, Jade, it's safe to say you had the best game of your career, whether you want to break it down or not. What was that? What was the switch that really made you turn up the entire game? Um, this sophomore year, really losing to them and seeing Nas and Jordan cry. And I just felt like I had to get it back for them. What are the type of things that you scouted from Uniondale that helped you have such a complete and dominant game? Um, just, we watched all their plays. We knew exactly what they were gonna do. Like that steal Trayvon got is because we knew what their play call was. We knew what the play, we knew what was coming. And um, just like watching like tendencies from players like we know JoJo, if he's gonna do a certain move this way, what his next move is gonna be. For you, Kamani, obviously you didn't shoot much, but you did impact the games in many other ways, as you know how. What are some of the things that you worked on to make an impact on the game, knowing that your shooting was not as good as it was um, all season long? Definitely just getting into the lane more and finding other people. Yeah, getting other people more shots and just moving around, just clearing the way for Jaden, Trayvon, Zay to just drive to the basket and stuff like that. Um, and one thing that was a big story in this game were the referees. And although we're not going to bash them, they have made some questionable calls. How did you guys keep your cool and keep Coach Burton's cool, knowing that one of these calls could have cost you the game? I was I was on the foul line screaming, <laughs> telling somebody to please hold him back because I did not want us to get attacked for them to get free throws. I was begging somebody to hold him back. Nobody held him back. Nobody cared. <laughs> Nobody was listening to me. <laughs> nah, I felt I felt that it wasn't much as like it was a referee. I think it was like a bigger picture than that because Bert obviously knows these coaches, these refs. I mean, and it was like it was more than it was more than that though. Had to be. But another huge call by the ref was when the buzzer ended to give you guys a championship the first time. Somehow the ref saw 0.3 seconds left on the clock. What went through your head knowing that you just went from celebrating to having to go back on the court and play another 0.3 seconds more? It was just one more stop. That's all we had to do, get one more stop and it was ours, which we did. Um, wasn't really worried about getting another stop because we're a good defensive team and we're clutch, so I knew my guys were going get to get another stop. And for many people on Long Island, Baldwin versus Union Hill is certainly the Duke versus North Carolina of Long Island. Is that something that fueled you guys coming into the matchup? Um, I don't think so. I don't. We don't really listen to outside. Like we don't. We we don't listen to outside people or just between us stuff. You know. How did it feel going from? Playing in the fifth grade at Brookside, Mr. Rusty, to now being called county champions. That was a good feeling. Like, for this time, played together since we were little, so the team chemistry worked out better for us. Um, it was it was like bittersweet because we're like those. These are moments we're never gonna get back. Like, it's all behind us. It's it's crazy. Now for your team. 
Your next game is against Brentwood, a team that you fell against during the regular season. How do you guys think you could bounce back and have a better game than you did the last time out? Um, we're going to do a good job scouting. We're going to watch a lot of film and uh, I think we'll be fine. But Brent was coming into this game knowing that, all right, we already beat this team already and by a pretty reasonable margin. So what is going to be different besides the scouting? What are you guys going to bring differently that you didn't bring in your last matchup against them? We just got comfort more prepared. I feel like we just came out soft last time. Pretty soft. We came out slow. We had a, a slow start. We can't do that against a good team like that. So The physicality will be different. We're going to play harder and tougher. That's going to be the difference. All right. Thank you guys for joining me. We try to make this one a short one. I appreciate your reactions to your championship win. Obviously, it was special for the both of you, but more to come. Anything you would like to say? Your fans, your family, anybody. Doozy. It's one thing, and it's very great to see your town with a championship. But when the boys leading the team are the same boys that you grew up with, that is special. Thank you to Jaden and Kamani for joining the show. It is a blessing to see you guys win your first championship. But you guys have some more work to do if you want to be LIC champions. So, as far as I'm concerned, congratulations on winning another county championship, but more to come. Keep working at it, but now we turn our attention to the most anticipated interview of the year, at least for me. It is Miss Elena Randolph. I sat down with her after her quarterfinal win, and this is what she had to say about everything sports. It is Elena Randolph. The most long-awaited interview of the year. It is Miss Elena Randolph from Girls Varsity Lady Bruins Basketball. Elena, how are you doing today? I'm great. I know you're very excited. I'm very excited. We had to work around your large schedule, your very busy schedule, but you're here, and I'm glad. I have a lot of questions for you. Are you ready to dive into it? Yeah, let's go. All right, so let's start with playoffs, since that's on everybody's mind. In the quarterfinals of the playoffs, you took down East Meadows 64-29 to at home. Although it was a blowout, what could the team have done better, and how would you evaluate your personal performance? Um, I believe the team... All year, we've consistently struggled with um, turning over the ball um, way too much. Uh, so I think definitely to beat uh, the teams as we go along in playoffs, it'll be important to cut down on those turnovers. Um, other than that, for me personally, um, my responsibility for that game was really um, taking down their number one scorer, who's their big. So I think... Um, being consistent in my play as we go through the playoffs and maybe being more of an offensive threat, that's probably important. And because you guys defeated East Meadow, you guys are now faced Freeport, who upset number three seed in Massapequa. Is there any level of concern knowing that Freeport may pull off another upset? Um, I think it's healthy. We have a healthy amount of concern going into this game. Um, Coach Catapano, you know, he doesn't overlook any um, opponent. So we've been taking, like, the necessary steps in preparing for them. So obviously there's always the concern of playing a good team, but I, I feel confident going into this game. And for the Lady Bruins this season, you are averaging 5.7 points. How would you describe your role for the Bruins all season? Um, This year, I think my role was 
um, being sort of a leader and being somebody who's been through a lot of a lot of these situations that a lot of the other players haven't been through. So I think I've been really doing a lot of teaching this year and really locking in defensively. A lot of the times, if the team has a really good uh, post player, I'm on that person. Um, so offensively, the numbers don't really show like the flashy numbers or whatever, but definitely defense this year has been really important in being a leader and being a good captain. Why have you chosen to put such an emphasis on defense as opposed to having what some people would say all the fame and glory? Um, I think you don't win without defense. Um, I think on a team you'll always find someone who will um, accomplish all the offensive uh, offensive things, scoring, shooting threes and all that. Um, but I think it's really important to have somebody who locks in on defense. And I know that's something within my power. That's something that I could control. I could be a good defender. And that's, yeah. Considering you are a huge fan of the NBA, which player would you say resembles your play style and why? Um, I've had this conversation <clears throat> with a lot of people. I get Draymond Green a lot. I commented that under Ramirez's post. I said, Bolden's Draymond Green, and then I got a few likes on it. So tell me why you think Draymond Green. Um, well, definitely, like, when the Warriors were, like, really good. Um, because... He was really the glue for them. You know, they couldn't win without Draymond. And I think he locked in on defensively. He did the dirty work and all that. I um, can't really think of a player now. I guess that's who I would go for. Because um, he doesn't score as much. You play a lot of defense. He plays a lot of defense. He's very vocal as a leader. You're very vocal. So I'm pretty sure the listeners as well as you and I <laughs> can see how that matches up. But on a more serious note now, you guys have surprised a lot of people this season. Obviously, when you guys leave such high talent, when, su when such high talent leave the program, it's hard to bounce back from that and to groom the underclassmen. But how have you guys managed to silence the doubters that believed that the Lady Bruins' best seasons were behind them? I think just through working, you know, um, we have goals similar to the other teams uh, who have come through the program. And Kat does a great job of, like, making sure that we know there is a standard. Like, just because a lot of really good players have gone through this program, you know, there's still standards that have to be met, you know. Everyone has to come to practice on time, and there's certain things, film sessions, everyone has to be there. He holds us to the same standard, so I think when you work at such a high standard constantly, um, you're gonna have success, and you know, we can't really prove anything until, obviously, we keep moving forward in the playoffs, but I think during the regular season, um, we did the same thing. We went undefeated in our conference, similar to any other team that's gone through here in the past few years. Speaking of success, you hold a 93-12 and 12 record. I'm not sure you knew that, but over the course of your like, time on varsity. Personally? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You've lost only 13 games, and you have won 93 of them. What has been the key for success for you over the past five years? For me personally? Yeah. Because um, that's not... That's not an easy task. I did not know that. That's actually the best record. winning percentage at a, any student athlete at Baldwin. So tell me what your key to success has been. Um, 
for me, in the earlier years, I obviously didn't play as much. I didn't get to contribute to all those wins. Um, but it was really just learning as much as I could from the people coming before me. There's a lot of talent that came before me and just really locking into the good qualities about them and like understanding their bad qualities and trying to um, incorporate all of that into my game. So last year when I started like actually playing a lot more, being a starter, you know, I understand what it takes to be at such a high level, perform at such a high level. So really just learning from the people who came before me and uh, trying to trying to use that in the way I play today. Is it safe to say that Coach Catapano's system also played a part in your high success? Yes, definitely. From from eighth grade, he's teaching Vegas and he's teaching all the all the slides in our press and he sets such a high bar for how you have to perform when you're on the court. So even when it would be a blowout game and I'm coming in with like five minutes left, he's still yelling, he's still standing there coaching all all the players on the court. He never like sits down and it's like, oh, the starters are out. Like he's on everybody every minute of the game. And having that when you're so young as an eighth grader, that's why I am the way I am now. And for the listeners who don't know, Coach Catapano was named the number three coach of the decade by Newsday. Describe for me the relationship you have grown with him and how his system has made the transition for you from not playing to playing so easy. Yeah, definitely. I think Cat has an amazing relationship with um, with all his players. And definitely, I came into the program kind of scared. Everyone has a little fear for Cat. He's such a vocal, uh, vocal coach. Um, but definitely, you become more comfortable with him. Uh, and he's so present in the offseason. I think that's something that's very underrated for him. You know, we're doing fall leagues with him. He's... A, he's our AAU coach, you know, and we're doing workouts during the off season. Like he's really constantly there. He says basketball is a year long commitment and he's completely right. And he's there every step of the way. So I think just being around him so much, you develop like a really strong relationship with him. And I think for me personally, he's been very, very present in my life and I think we have a great relationship. On top of that, I don't know if you noticed, but he was the one who nominated you for the News 12 Scholar Athlete Recipient Award. Only coaches are allowed to nominate, and he took time out of his day. And then you ended up winning $1,000. So how did it feel winning such an honor, knowing that it was him who nominated you and him who thought of you when he saw that award? Um, I think that's amazing. Um, Kat, Kat, he always comments like, oh, you know, Elena's, Elena's doing her schoolwork and all that stuff. And like everybody on the team knows that. But like to know that he's like recognizing that, yes, like I clearly have success as an athlete, but like also um, understanding the importance of academics for his athletes. I think that's really amazing. And with Coach Cat, over the past decade, he's transformed Baldwin Lady Bruins basketball. And on top of that, you guys are also playing at some of the best tournaments that the country has to offer, one of them this year being the Rose Classic Super Jam. What did you and your team take away from that tournament, knowing that you played top competition around the country? Um, I think it's amazing that 
Cat continues to put us in such um, high, highly regarded uh, tournaments. And, you know, I, I asked him going into this year, um, I said, are we still going to be doing the same kind of tournaments that we were doing when we had three or four, you know, Division One athletes on the team? And he said, yeah. And it's because he continues to hold his players to such a high standard, as I said. So I think it was really, it was really a great opportunity for our younger players, our underclassmen, people like Delisha to like be surrounded by such good talent and know like this is the level I have to perform at every single night if I want to be great, if I want to follow in the footsteps of the girls who came through this program before. It's certainly those experiences and those hard games that really build up somebody's experience, their skill, knowing that, all right, I could blow out a couple of opponents, but now it's the top teams that I could humble myself a little and know that after improving some things. But along with that, what would you consider your hardest game of the season and why, even with all the blowouts? Our hardest game of the season? You haven't lost many, so... <laughs> um... I think a game that really uh, tested our team was um, we played a team from Albany. Um, I think it was Cambridge High School. Um, they were defending state champions, you know, and we went into the game um, somewhat prepared. We had watched some film on them, and the game went into two overtimes, I believe. And I fouled out in the first overtime, yeah. like two minutes into the first overtime. And... Um, as a defensive presence, uh, I think the team, it really put a test on the team. Layla, um, one of our players, she caught a cramp um, during, I think, one of the overtimes. So she was out, um, you know, so we did face a lot of adversity in that game. We ended up losing it. But I think a lot of people stepped up. Dana, she had a fantastic game. She really changed the momentum. Um, she got us into the overtimes like with her scoring and her steals. And so I think even though we lost that game, it was really a big um, big test of our character, and I thought we did a really good job fighting through it, sticking with it, and we came up short at the end. Although you named a lot of reasons already, what is the biggest thing that you took away from that game that you could take into the postseason now? Definitely that I can't foul out of games. Uh, that cat made sure that I knew that, you know. Um, I think my presence on the court, you know, it's kind of needed, whether it's offensively or defensively. Um, I think, you know, being present in the game is important. But I also think... Um, making sure games don't go into those fourth quarters, you know. Um, I thought we did a good job with um, with our stamina and, like, our conditioning. So definitely going into the postseason, you know, being prepared for games to be played the full 32 minutes or more, yeah, that's important. We touched on this before, and it was the large influx of talent that you guys lost from last year to this year. How have you guys managed to rebound after losing – Kaya, Lexi, and all those talented players who pretty much made your whole starting five all county caliber? Um, rebounding has definitely been um, a huge part of practice for us. Uh, Kat sets aside time for us to work on rebounding. And we've actually had the addition of Amber. And we have some bigger kids this year, um, some bigger guards. So we definitely focus on uh, team rebounding and 
Bolden, Coach Bolden, he definitely uh, makes sure that the post is boxing out on every possession. And we also have a new addition this year, Miss Coiro. Um, she played at Stony Brook, and she was uh, a post player. And doing individuals with her, um, she's great with rebounding. She makes sure you're doing all the little, little details, the techniques. And so, like, our whole entire coaching staff has put a really big emphasis on rebounding this year. Because of all of that, what is the main reason that you guys think you could emulate the success of past Bruins teams? Um, I believe that we might we may not win every game the way the past uh, past teams did. I remember like earlier previous years we were like winning the Nassau County Championship by like twenty points. Like we're not doing that this year. But I think as a team we understand that these games are going to be like hard fighting games going into the fourth quarter you know close games the Longwood game was a one-point game you know so I think we understand that but we're okay with that we're okay with fighting till the end and you know you have to get it done at the end of the day it doesn't matter how much you win by it's just the fact that you win speaking of how much you win by you guys have outscored your opponents 809 to 461 (laughs) as the captain how do you keep your teammates minds on track knowing you guys are consistently blowing out opponents um i think a large part of that comes from our non-league schedule this year um we all know that our conference hasn't been, uh, isn't very strong in town. This year, actually, Plainview was very good. They're, they're actually playing Syosset. Um, they made it to the final four. Um, but other than that, our our conference tends to like lack as much talent as the outside teams that are out there. So Cat really uh, focuses on giving us hard non-league games uh, where the competition is similar, if not better, to what we are as a team. And playing that higher talent, it ensures that like we stay humble. Like yes, in our conference, we're winning games by 20 points or more, but all of our non-league games were close. Um, yeah. When you're at halftime and you're blowing opponents out, they've scored single digits and you guys have scored double digits already. What does Cat tell you in the locker room to really not get your head too big? Um, he says, you know, focus on focus on the end goal. You know, um, we're not here to famous cat quote is, you know, we're not here to beat uh, the little guys. We're here to beat the big guys. You know, and that's mainly saying, you know, you might be blowing this team out but you're not working to blow out a lesser team you know you're trying to beat the big uh the better teams so he really emphasizes that and not not breaking character you know like any group that goes out on the floor whether it's our first group second group third group you know there is a level of talent that's expected when you go out there and holding everyone to that standard um, ensures that everyone's doing the right thing. No one's, you know, showboating or anything. You're just playing basketball the right way. Now, you've been on varsity for a very long time. <laughs> At a point, you were on a roster that included Jenna Carico, Lexi Aponte, Mariana Benanitas, Asia Hudson, Sarah Pulis, Montia Moon, Destiny Samuel, I can keep going, Kaya Harrison, and Danetta Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> How did it feel to be on a team with such talent? It's ridiculous saying these names and to see it does the success they've had now. Yeah, um, I think that Federation team, I was a sophomore that year. There will never be a team like that in, 
I, I want to say in Long Island history, um, there were some amazing, amazing players, and not just amazing players, like amazing people who you could really just sit down and like have good conversations with them. And on the court, obviously, like everyone could see how talented that team was. I don't think there'll ever be a team like that again, you know. Describe for me how it felt to win the highest prize in high school basketball, a federation title. That that was very surreal. Um, of course, we had, you know, the confidence that, yeah, you know, we could go to the end. And Kat always said, you know, you want to keep playing until they tell you to stop, you know. And once you win the Federation, you know, there's no more games after that. And, like, to get to that moment, knowing how much work everyone had put in um, previous to that, it was, it was such, like, a gratifying moment, you know. And it's historic. You guys stand as the only team at ball to win a federation title and that's pretty much makes them probably the greatest team in Baldwin history maybe even Long Island yeah, how did it feel or how does it feel still to be a part of something so historic that probably will never be done again um it's just it feels amazing cause like I know what happened in those practices and you know Kat always says you may never get a chance like that again. It's very rare that people, you know, like make history in their lifetime. And so to be a part of a team that made history, like in my high school career, that's something I'm going to carry with me like forever. Would you carry, would you consider that season your favorite over the course of your career? If not, which season is? Um, I wouldn't, that's a, that's a hard question. I mean, yeah, you've been playing um, for, not even basketball, but just track as well in soccer. Would you consider that basketball season your favorite athletic season ever? Yeah, I guess I would. It went on for so long. If you think about it, regular season ends end of February, and we went into late March with uh with that season. You know, being surrounded by basically sisters, you spend three hours with them every day plus you see them in school and on the weekends and just constantly being around these people they become your sisters so I think being surrounded by them for so long the postseason lasted like a whole month for that year um yeah, it probably was. And plus all the all the yeah. championships, yeah. like all the celebrations, that's always being on a fire truck, <laughs> yeah. having people scream your name, even that the, was great. even the ceremony at the school. I remember coming back after track practice. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but knowing all the names I said before, the Jenna, Lexi, Donetta, all of them, who's the best player you have ever played with and why? I know that's an even harder question. <laughs> but be honest. The best player who I ever played with. It's probably Netta. Yeah, Donetta Johnson. Um, her talent was was just amazing. And, like, she would have bursts where you would just be like, she is the best player on the court right now, like, regardless of the team we're playing. And I was actually her shooting partner, so, like, I was, <laughs> I was very close with Netta, and I... I, like, admired how talented she was. That being said, though, I think I've played with a lot of players, um, and I think they're all very different in their style of play. Um, and for their position, they're all, like, very good. Um, but, yeah, probably Neto is, like, the most talented. Would you consider her the player that you looked up to the most? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I think... Being a 
being a post player, definitely I looked up to Lamise when I was in eighth grade and I got brought up. She was the senior. She was the only senior on the team. And I can't replicate what she did. She was like six two, you know, like she was a a post player. Um, but just the way that she she took being a post player so seriously and I had to guard her being in eighth grade, you know, so I learned so much from her. Um, but I'd say from a leadership perspective, I definitely looked up to Montia the most. She's the person who I definitely, when I'm having moments in practice where I have to like take the team and like lead them, you know, she's the person who I think of, like what would Montia do, you know? Um, I think she had a really big impact on me. Since Montia, as the leader back then, took you under her wing, who, as the leader now, have you taken under your wing? I know who it is, but just tell the listeners <laughs> who it is. Well, it's not much of a secret, but Delisha has definitely been, um, I like future. to call her my my project. You know, I definitely, uh, definitely worked with her a lot these past two years. Um, I remember meeting her when she was an eighth grader, and Kat said, you know, I want you to take her under your wing, you know, and all that. And she, I, I tell her this all the time, she has so much potential. She's such an amazing player. Um, and it's just been, I've been honored to at least work with her now because one day she's going to be like big, making it big, and I'm going to be like, I knew her. What is, what is the biggest thing you want her to take away from you when you graduate? Um, Whether it's on or off the court, or even both. Um, I think... I think she could really be an influential person. Um, so I think hopefully she takes some of my leadership, I think. Um, obviously, talent-wise, she will surpass me like greatly. But um, I definitely want her to you know, do what I did, take younger players under her wing because she has the talent, you know. If she has the leadership, and she's already starting to be a leader. She's very vocal, and she's really... As she learns more about the game, I think she could really teach other players. Yeah. Whether it's with Delisha or your other teammates, what would you consider the hardest part about being the leader? Um, this team uh, is everyone has their own personality on the team, and I think a lot of character on the team for sure. A lot of character, definitely. Um, so I think focusing the team sometimes uh, that's something that I think we, we, we have definitely worked on it as the season has uh, progressed. And also, I think, you know, me personally, uh, starting the season, I wasn't, I wasn't extremely vocal. I kind of led by example. Like, if people were doing something, you know, I would just keep doing what I was doing. But I think as the season has moved along, I have been more vocal, um, doing more teaching and pointing out uh, different things that I know Kat would have pointed out. Uh, so, yeah. And as leaders, at least for me, I don't like when people see me when I'm down with my head down because then everybody that I'm leading, quote unquote, you know, picks up from that. So when you have your head down, when you're down on yourself because of a bad game, who do you turn to for advice and to pick your head back up? Like on the team or just in Either on or off the court. <clears throat> Could be a teammate, coach, parent, family member. Um, I think on the team, 
probably Delisha. I'm like Delisha and I are like very we feed off of each other a lot. Um, I know there's been games where I haven't thought I've done well, and we'll sit on the bus together, and like she'll feel <laughs> that I'm like not uh, feeling good about the game, and we'll talk it out, and she'll say, "Well, you did this well," or you know, "Keep your head up," and all that. Um, off the off the court probably just my parents you know i i talk about how i'm feeling i say oh you know i i didn't do this or i didn't do that and they say well you know think of it this way or you guys still won like look at the bigger picture i think they're really important in all that too going back to delisha now it's very heartwarming to hear you say how you and delisha are close and how you've taken her under your wing and i've been a heavy advocate of saying that the teams that are the best are those who have such a tight-knit relationship off the field of play what is it about the lady bruins that make you guys such a family um, I think we're just constantly, excuse me, we're constantly around each other. Um, you know, we'll see each other in the hallway and it's like, hey, you know, and, and a lot of people hang out outside of school. Um, we're very close in that aspect. I think we really genuinely like being around each other. Um, and I think that's very important. I know during, it was like, National Pancake Day recently and like the team we went out you know to IHOP and all that I think it's important that we do a lot of things outside of just practicing and playing games together and for the basketball team spending all that time with them how much sacrifices have you had to make um I think I think there is a lot of sacrifice once a basketball season starts you know not that I'm someone who goes out a lot but you know if there's any time that you would be going out, you know, you have to reconsider and say, you know, what's best for the team uh, staying in tonight, you know, um, homework, schoolwork and all that, you know. That not was that, getting too later. Cause. Not that you let that slide, but, you know, you do have to be more efficient with uh, how you do work and all that. But, I mean, in the end, it pays off, you know, all the championships and all that. Of course. And not only with basketball, but you're also busy with soccer and track as well. For those who don't know, you were named a Newsday Top 100 performer in both basketball and soccer. As far as Baldwin goes, you're the only active athlete to achieve such a feat. How do you think you have been able to be, be so successful in two different sports? Um... I think it's having having a good mentality. Uh, I I'm trying to think of a good answer. Um, I think for soccer, I definitely I know that I don't put in as much off season work as um, a lot of other players do because I spend so much time With playing basketball. basketball. Um, but I think really locking into what does my team need for me so for the soccer team I'm a defender and just saying you know I'm gonna be the best I could be at this position and basketball the same thing the team needs me to do a certain role that's what I like lock into doing and I think success just comes from understanding what my team needs for me and trying to excel at that as best that I can. Those who know you closely know that soccer was your first love. Not basketball, but soccer. <laughs> so considering this past season was your last soccer season of your career, reflect on how that went for you, all the feelings, emotions, high points, low points, and everything in between. Um, yeah, definitely soccer was my first sport. I wouldn't say first love. Oh. But Excuse it, was, me, <laughs> it was definitely my first sport. Uh, obviously starting when I was was like 
four or five. I don't know. Bolton Eagles. Yeah. yeah, Bolton Eagles. And, you know, I think I spent a lot of time this season um, reflecting on the past, all the soccer that I used to play. And so when we were getting close to the end, senior night and then into playoffs, you know, taking every game and saying, you know, this could be my last game um, and really putting my all out there. So it was a very nostalgic season. And I think it ended it ended in a nice way. We went to we went to the semifinals and all that. So I was happy with how my last season went. And for your last season, you had to adjust to a coaching change. Coach Burton was the former head coach of the varsity girls soccer team. And then this year was Lee Rogers. Considering you guys were so close to bringing Baldwin its first soccer county championship last year, how did you adjust to a new head coach and a new system of play? Um, so I think a system of play it didn't change too drastically uh coach rogers he was um he was our assistant coach under coach burton so he brought a lot of the same um same tactics as coach burton um definitely he, he implemented some different drills and he put a, uh, a stronger emphasis on certain aspects of the game but i think he kept the same culture the same um idea that we should keep pushing forward and all that so it wasn't too big of a change but definitely we wanted to get back to or even um exceed what we accomplished uh the previous year this year as you implied basketball is your biggest love more than soccer even it, it may be easy to say how coach catapano has impacted you as a player and a person but how has coach burton and coach rogers impacted both the soccer player you were and the overall person you are um i think I think they did a really good job of like, fo they do a good job of focusing their players in and locking in. A lot of the soccer girls on the team, soccer isn't necessarily their first sport. I know Naeli, you know, she plays soccer, but she also plays basketball with me. And I think they, they teach a lot of skills that can apply not just to soccer, but apply to every other sport I play and everything I do in life. So I think they, did a good job of, you know, like, yeah, you do this in basketball, but this is how it applies to soccer and really teaching the game to a lot of people who may not necessarily um, watch soccer that much and all that. Is there anything that you learned from playing soccer that you take on the basketball with you every time you step on the court? Um, I think there's a certain toughness that uh, soccer players have. Um, there's a lot of things you can get yeah, away with definitely, <laughs> in definitely. soccer. Uh, so I think it's having that uh, tough mentality, um, bringing that onto the basketball court. Not every basketball player has that. I know with like the whole new NBA, yep. everybody's soft, focused on soft, you know, soft. getting fouled and all that. I think having like that tough mentality, like you could hit me, I'm going to keep standing. You know, I think that's something that you learn in soccer that I definitely apply when I'm playing basketball. You completed your last season of soccer. You are on your way towards completing your last season of basketball. But even after that, you have a whole track season to go. What are some of your expectations for the season? For the track season? Um, I know basketball is the focus right now, so I don't want you to look too far ahead, but just a little. Yeah. Um, for this track season, I think just just focusing on closing out my career as a track runner. Um, definitely out of the three sports, it does come third. Um, but 
I've I've been running track since third grade, so you know I think really just saying you know this is my last season, putting it all on the line, uh, just. Running hard, I think that's my main goals for the season. Has Coach Buckley taught you anything that you could take to basketball or soccer or to life? Um, definitely just like not giving up. Like you can't just stop in the middle of a race just because you're you know, you're tired or something. You gotta go all the way to the finish line, and I think that's really important for any sport. Like it's talking about basketball right now, if our goal is to win a county championship, then we're not going to stop until we reach that goal, you know, and in life, any other accomplishments I have. So I think that's really important. Of course, with respect to the other coaches, which coach over the course of your athletic career has had the biggest impact on you and why? The obvious may be, the answer may be obvious, but tell our listeners who may not know. Definitely Coach Cat. He was definitely the biggest influence. I've been a player for him for five years now. Um, definitely just, I've spent the most time with him. And I think he does a fantastic job of like having these like deep conversations. He like implements them into practice where he's not just talking about basketball, he's talking about life, he's talking about any other sport you could be playing. You know, um, definitely I have the strongest relationship with him, so he's definitely had the most influence on me. Outside the coaches, your mother is also someone who is heavily involved in all activities that you do. How has she impacted the athlete that you are today? Um, Definitely. She'll hear this, so make a noise. (laughs) Um, My mom, she's really been, um, been an impact on my sports career, like, The obvious is bringing me to games and bringing me everywhere. She has been fantastic with that. I could ask her, oh, we have to go scout somewhere, and she'll drive, like, six girls to the game and then drop them all off. Um, But... Just her support has been amazing. I know, like, we have, like, pregame rituals. Like, she brings my water to every game. And, like, she's just always, like, it's great to see her in the crowd. I always say, like, I can hear her voice out of everyone else's voice. I usually, like, drown everyone out, but I can always hear my mom. And it's just, it's really amazing to know you have someone like that who's rooting for you, um, who's just always there for you. So her support has been like amazing. I don't think I could do all this without her, you know. With that support, it comes on the court, on the field, off the court, off the field, and including in off seasons as well when you are in between sports. How do you manage your off seasons knowing that there are three different sports you have to prepare for? You could be playing soccer, but your mind is on basketball. How do you manage all of that? Um, I think... Definitely prioritizing um, is a big part of like my off season. Um, when I'm not playing sports, which is like a week in between seasons, you know, saying, okay, I gotta, if there's any assignments that could be coming up or like anything I might be a little late on, you know, focusing on that. And then once I'm in season, focusing on the sport while I'm there, you know, when we were in playoffs for soccer, um, basketball season was like closely approaching and there were off season workouts and, you know, saying I have to go to soccer practice. And if I have time with all my school and all that, then going to basketball, um, I think definitely prioritizing making a list of what's the most important. Uh, that's definitely a big part of like my off season. Are your coaches definitely understanding knowing that the postseason may overlap with their workouts or regular seasons? Yeah. Um, 
I guess specifically for uh, soccer, uh, Coach Cat was very understanding. Um, if we had a playoff game, he'd be like, don't even come to workouts. You know, if we had, we were definitely doing fall league during the same time. So he would always be precautious because he understands if I got hurt going to a track thing, you know, while we have playoffs, like that wouldn't be um, very productive. Um, and also, uh, definitely the track coaches. Before Coach Buckley was Coach Schaefer, um, he was very understanding of that the postseason might go very long, especially like the Federation yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> Federation went year very went long. very long, and track had already started by then. Um, but I had handed in my permission slip, and he said, you know, I hope you guys keep going, you know, keep winning games, and once your season's over, uh, you're ready for the team. How much of a toll emotionally, physically, mentally does playing three sports all year have on you? Because even in between sports, you have a two, three week period where you're chilling or maybe not because you have off season workouts, but you're constantly busy. How do you manage that knowing that you have no downtime at all? Um, I think I have some great friends who I feel like I could just, you know, talk to them when things are getting stressful and like they'll make me laugh and like that helps uh, definitely like the emotional part of it. But um, it is tiring, but I I think I can keep myself going knowing that like in the end it's going to pay off, whether it's like accolades or just like internally knowing that what I'm doing is going to prepare me for the future in one way or the other. I think that's what really keeps me going. Pressure certainly makes diamonds, and if anybody anybody that knows you knows you're a gem, so how do you manage the pressure of being a top performer on three sports while being number four, for those who don't know, number four at a 356 in the class of 2020? Um, I think... I think it goes back to mentality. Um, I've always wanted to be, if I'm going to do something, I want to be the best at it. So academically, you know, I don't want to be an average student. I want to take the hardest classes. And when I'm playing on a team, I want to be one of the people who gets talked about. I want to be, like, mentioned. Kat always says you want to be one of those players who, um, who are mentioned in the end. So I think just having the mentality of I want to be a top performer in whatever I'm doing, uh, that definitely drives me. But knowing that you play three sports and you have to keep up your grades and other responsibilities, how do you give 100% to everything without letting the quality of another thing go down? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think definitely... I think priorities, it, go, it comes back to priorities. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Like there are times when, you know, grades are slipping or, you know, maybe I'm not performing so highly in, um, in the sport uh, that I'm doing at the time. But I think consistency is a big thing for me. So I don't like to not give 100% uh, when I'm doing something. So I definitely, Definitely try and make time for whatever I'm doing and focusing on what I'm doing at the moment. So if I'm at practice, I'm not thinking about homework. I'm thinking about practice. And when I get home, I know it's still going to be there. And just focusing in the moment on what's important. Which sport do you find yourself working the hardest in and why? Um, I think 
I think I work hard. I like to say I work hard in every sport, but oh, that, well, that's obvious. <laughs> but work the hardest. Basketball, definitely. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a long season. So right from tryouts, we're working hard. We're running miles and doing all the you know, preseason things. And it goes all the way into March. We started in November and now we're in March. You know, that's a long season. And definitely um, being consistent in in your work ethic for that long, you know, it does, it is a hard thing yeah, to do. definitely. You are, well, you could be an all-county soccer player, could be an all-county track runner, but you've decided to be an all-county basketball player. What is it about the sport that has made it your top priority over everything else? Um, I think it's just like my love for basketball. I, I do watch a lot of uh, basketball um, just on TV. I don't really watch TV like that, but I will watch basketball. Um, just my love for the sport in general and also just being around such a such a demanding system, I'd say. Um, it just naturally forces you to work hard and uh, reach a certain level of, you know, success. And so I think definitely being in such a hard system um, where you're where you're asked to perform at such a high level that just naturally, you know, leads to success. And for anybody that knows you, you are very decorated. You have won all conference, all county, all section, all academic team. What goes through your head every time you achieve one of these feats? Do you ever get tired of it? <laughs> no, I don't think you could ever get tired of, uh, you know, being being awarded with something. Um, I think some some awards resonate more with me than others, um, but definitely like. I, I like to stay humble, you know. Um, every year it's a different award and you're put into a different role. And I think every award's special. Which award would you say means the most to you and why? Mm, definitely, I'd say All County was very, very big to me because, like, my numbers aren't high. Um, but I think... I think what I do is very important for the team. So having coaches recognize that what I'm doing is significant, um, I was very happy with that. You have also won achievement awards from Baldwin as a freshman, a sophomore, and a junior. <laughs> How does it feel to be recognized as basically the best athlete in the grid? Um, I, I was very happy <laughs> to win those awards. I think I do a lot and three sports not everyone plays three sports uh so being recognized for the hard work that i'm putting into every single season um i was obviously very thankful with the uh, with the high points and greatness come the low points you know you can't reach the mountaintop without reaching rock bottom first what has been your lowest moment as an athlete and how did you work to bounce back from it hmm. if you want to share um definitely I'd say after the Federation team, you know, hearing a lot of, oh, you know, the team isn't what it was before, or even this year, like losing Kaya, like I heard a lot of like, oh, you know, you lost, you lost your D1 talent, like you guys have nobody this year, you know, hearing all that, it just makes you want to work harder. But I definitely think um, hearing that it does 
you do feel uh, some type of way. It's almost like, you know, oh, they left, but like we still have potential. And um, definitely I, I get to prove them wrong, you know, this year, definitely with our success and what success we may have in the next few weeks. What do you say to all the doubters now who see that you are capable of still performing at a high level? Um, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to say to them, you know. Uh, they they could see for themselves our success and you know hopefully we continue to prove people wrong with the the postseason still going and even with the doubters you have been through many many moments as a part of the Bruins family but which moment has been your favorite over the course of your athletic career my favorite moment as a Bruin um it might have been the fire trucks. The so trucks. basically, um, when we won Federations, um, we had this big parade and we got to go on top of these fire trucks and go down Grand Avenue. And that was amazing because people were like coming out of like the stores, and, like waving at us and you feel like you're like a celebrity. And um, I like remember seeing my grandma. Um, my grandma was there and like my grandparents and like they were so happy at that moment, like to see me like on that fire truck it was amazing and just the support that the community had for our team that year it was it was so like heartwarming like to know that you have a whole entire community behind you um that was that was probably my favorite is there anything like it do you think you'll experience anything like that again uh, hopefully yeah hopefully, <laughs> hopefully i hopefully. do but um i think um in my career as an athlete or even as a Bruin like I don't think anything will ever like relate to that moment well you've obviously accomplished a lot but even with that what is one thing that you have yet to accomplish that you want to accomplish this season or going forward in your athletic career if you choose to mm-hmm. I think I think winning this uh, Nassau County Championship would be uh would be very, very big for me personally. Um, I always joked, I was like, you know, I want to win a county championship every single year I've been on the team. And so far, I've done that. You know, we've won counties every single year. Unprecedented. Um, but this, this would be uh, extremely big for us because of the talent we've had before. And now we're kind of back to what um, our teams were before the Jennas, Asia, and Kaya's, you know, just like hardworking girls who are trying to like accomplish this big goal. So I think for me personally, I would love to win this uh, county championship. It's really important to me. This interview has taken place before your playoff game against Freeport and will be published after the game. What is going through your head right now knowing that less than 24 hours from now, you're going to battle once again? I'm just excited. Uh, Freeport, they are a good team. And, you know, we have been preparing all week for them. And I'm just excited. We haven't played a game in, like, a, more than a week. So just to go against someone other than the my own teammates, I think that's going to be really good. I think the team is very excited for this game. And, yeah. All right. Monday through Friday. Obviously, school takes up a large part of your day. But what does the average Saturday or Sunday or weekend consist of for Elena Randolph? So, going off of basketball season, um, usually a three-hour practice Saturday. Um, I wake up on the weekends like 8, which is, like, nice. (laughs) But, um, 
yeah, basketball. And then I really have Saturdays free. Um, I do not do much on Saturdays. And then Sunday, church and basketball training, like an hour session. Um, so basketball seven days a week, basically. Basically. Is- it's not mandatory, but, you know, we all kind of try and train when we can and then I cram in all my work on Sundays. That's that's basically a weekend. After the upcoming track season, what can you say is next for Elena Randolph? Are you looking to play college at the next level? Or if not, what would you say are your plans next? Um, well, I have been considering this for a while. Um, I'm waiting currently for my acceptance to Syracuse University. Um, and when I get that, if I get that, um, that would be my number one choice for school. I would not play there. Um, but it's definitely something that I've been considering for a while. And after that, I plan on studying sports management. Um, If I can double major, uh, I'm planning on double majoring in sports management and marketing. And after that, I want to get my MBA eventually and see where I go from there. Is it a tough decision to leave the game of basketball? The game you've grown to love so much and have so much success in? It's definitely going to be tough. Uh, I know everyone says, you know, you never get it back and all that. Um, But I think I am prepared to, you know, start my life as like not a student athlete in college see how that that is obviously i'm always going to be connected to basketball in one way or the other definitely studying sports management i'll still always have that connection to sports um but it was definitely a long hard decision to make and you know going forward i just got to cherish uh these last few games i have uh definitely every practice is greatly appreciated and all that. Now, let me tell you how you will be remembered after your time in June. Just going to read off your list of accomplishments. (laughs) Nassau County champion three times, Long Island champion twice, New York State class AA champion twice, New York State Federation AA champion twice, all county honors, all conference honors, all section team, academic all-state team, strive for excellence award, Rose Classic Super Jam Scholar Athlete Award, Rose Classic Super Jam Sportsmanship Award, all conference for soccer, strive for excellence award for soccer, most valuable player for track, division champion in a 4x4 relay, strive for Excellence Award in Girls Varsity Track, and most recently, $1,000 from Federal Credit Union on behalf of News 12, being a scholar athlete. That is how you will be remembered as of now, but when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Um, I want to be remembered as someone who, you know, had kind of like their hand on everything, you know, I was an athlete, but I was also, you know, a scholar and I did music. Like I want people to remember me as someone who was involved in everything. Um, And I, at the end of the day, I just want to be like positively remembered. Like not the girl who, oh, she did all this stuff, but she was like mean or whatever, you know, I want to be remembered uh, positively and like she was I want to be known as like approachable she was a leader definitely a leader that's that's a big thing for me um I think being being active in everything that's that's 
me, I guess. Do you look to be in, involved in any way with the Bruins family, even after you leave for college? Definitely. Um, I told told all the underclassmen, you know, I'll be checking in on them and all that. Uh I definitely want to still have a presence in Baldwin, even once I'm in college, you know, whether it's coming back to support um, my teammates who will be moving up, you know, and all that. Uh, Definitely, Baldwin's always going to have a place, you know. And for my last question, what will you miss most about being a Baldwin Bruin? What will I miss most? Um... Probably the standard that you're held to with anything you do. Um, Academics, the teachers hold you to a high standard. Athletically, all the teams, you know, none of the coaches are like slacking off. Um, I think that's really what I'm gonna miss. That was the question, right? What I'm gonna miss, what I'm gonna miss the most is being pushed in everything you do. I know some schools, you know, things aren't emphasized the way they are here. Like doing the little things, like if you don't go to class, you can't go to practice, things like that. Like I think being held to such a such a high standard, that's, that's what I'll miss. And I can speak for all the listeners and myself by saying that you have accomplished a lot for Baldwin and you're not even done yet you have another playoff game tomorrow and we'll see where that takes you on your road to what will probably be your most meaningful Nassau County Championship definitely but I want to thank you for being on the show I was looking forward to this interview probably more than others (laughs) but I'm glad I finally got the legendary Elena Randolph on the show it was a pleasure shout out to Elena's mom I know she's listening or will be listening and your dad who listens to every episode I appreciate the support but thank you for being on the show I've been wanting to be on the show since you had the idea so yeah I mean you're on the logo so it's only right that you're on the show so thank you again I wish you the best in the playoffs and we'll see where it takes you yeah thank you so much now hearing that interview back two weeks later it is crazy to hear how dedicated and committed Elena was to making sure she won this Nassau County Championship. She has won a championship in every year of her high school career, plus one in eighth grade. And now she has won another one two weeks after the interview. Elena Randolph, you are simply the most decorated Baldwin athlete I've ever seen. You are phenomenal. And the fact that you won another Nassau County Championship when people were doubting you guys, saying that, oh, you guys lost all the talent, you guys are not the same, and here you are, and you're the leader. Leaders lead, and you're the person that brought it all together. And it's because of you, and because of the team, and because of the coach of the decade and Coach Catapano, that you guys have won your seventh straight Nassau County Championship. What a win, what a program. Thank you, Elena, for being on the show, for telling your story. But now, guys, the interviews are done. I promise. Now it's time to move to our pod star of the week. Tyler, take it away. For our pod stars of the week, it was really hard just to choose one person, so I'll pick both of them for our pod stars of the week. Jaden McKenzie and Dana Elcock. You guys are definitely the MVPs of both of these games. Jaden McKenzie put up a stat line of 24 points and 5 assists as the Bruins point guard in the game against Uniondale, and Dana Elcock put up 25 points and 3 assists as the 2 guard for the Bruins against Syosset. On the biggest stage, these two performed. Congratulations to the both of you. Now that we've highlighted these two, Jaden McKenzie and Dana Elcock, for their outstanding performances, we'll move on to the upcoming events. 
for the upcoming events this week, this is another week where it is just going to be basketball. The boys and girls teams are moving to the LIC, the Long Island Championship, and the boys will be playing at Farmingdale State College, and we're not sure what times for either of these two games, but the girls will be playing at St. Joseph's College. Thank you for staying and listening to this long episode of the Bolden Bruins Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bruins Podcast to stay updated and tune into next week's episode. Thank you for listening in on this edition of the Baldwin Bruins Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on all streaming platforms. Check us out on Instagram at Bruins Podcast. Join us next time for more news, analysis, interviews, and everything Baldwin Sports.